Return to Oz Minute, where we, surprise, analyze the movie Return to Oz one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And back again, we have Julia and Rick Ingham from the Mad Max Minute. Oh boy. So you guys are in for an action-packed minute. Probably not as action-packed as the Mad Max movies, but... uh. Minute 89 starts with the Scarecrow finding something green. It continues with a bad guy team-up ending as all villain team-ups end. And it ends with an earthquake shaking everything, including Dorothy the Scarecrow and the Gump and Mombi in a cage. (laughs) So, yeah, I love how Dorothy guesses correctly. She and the Scarecrow are getting ready. Apparently the Scarecrow can't guess, but she can. Uh, whatever. They're just making up rules. I, I'm going to go with it. Um, but I love how he immediately turns to Mommy's like, this is your fault. And she, when the first thing she said when he said, oh, Dorothy's in there guessing was, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, he kind of shot himself in his own foot. Yeah, the Gnome King is, uh, I, I guess this is, I, I brought this up earlier i think i don't remember why but this time definitely he was hoisted by his own petard <laughs> right like that's that's finally applicable here he set up the scenario multiple yeah. people told him that this was a bad idea mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy. Um, but yeah so what is that that the scarecrow finds because they're looking around for anything green because as they figured out last minute people from oz were turned into green objects so now they're looking for anything green trying to find their friends but I can't really tell what it is he grabs. It kind of looks to me like a tiny green, almost like a flower or rose sculpture. That type of thing. I'm trying to tell if it's like a really elaborate bud face. Because at the top there's that little, little end opening. So, granted, it's from the script, which has <laughs> thus far been wrong but... on everything but the bird. <laughs> <laughs> but here... Uh, the Scarecrow comes over with a green inkwell, which I thought inkwells were usually more accessible for sticking your pen or quill into. If you but had a maybe? giant flourishing I could see quill. this being yeah. an inkwell. Yeah, because we don't see the quill that goes with it, maybe. Yeah, maybe the quill is like long yeah. and narrow. I, I, it would rest on the top. And, and that's why that opening is so narrow, because you want it to hold the quill up. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Again, no meaning between what the object is and the person or being, but we get mm-hmm. to see the Gumpy's back. So the Gump was an inkwell. The Scarecrow was a diamond. And I'm looking around the room and there is a ton of stuff. There's a plethora of items in this room. And I don't remember the... Goblin King saying anything specifically about each item being a person, but if that is the case, then that would be pretty unfortunate because once the room starts shaking at the end of this minute, you know, a lot of those things are falling over and uh This is an not eyes surviving. Only Lots of breakable stuff in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably the worst room to set a <laughs> small girl in encouraging her to touch everything cuz she's probably going to knock the over dream her fair come true. Things, so. 
everything. Classic bull in the china shop. Oh, it's funny that you say that because the scarecrow is much yeah. more the bull in yeah. the china shop here. Yeah. He's probably the worst person to be handling He's delicate He's very tchotchkes. careful with the ankle. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate that they cast someone who had a background in mind to play the scarecrow. This is making a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that is a good point. Mm-hmm. He's very physical in his acting, and he doesn't really have to say anything. At one point, he's just like, green, Not that it stops green. him. <laughs> I don't know if it's in this minute or the next minute. But there's a time when he's like, oh, no. Oh, and it's, it's just fantastic. The, it, yeah, yeah, I have notes on the next minute, definitely. Oh, no, there's there. Okay, uh, I have one in this minute, too, though. Uh, his overacting reaction to the gump appearing is amazing. Just take a moment to appreciate that, please. <laughs> it's a pretty good effect for the gump appearing. It's not anything crazy impressive, but the way they use the green light strobe... It, it it works. It's quick. And now the gump's here. Yeah. Oh, actually, I just thought of the reasoning for the Gnome mm-hmm. King to become human. He's been collecting all this stuff. So, you know, there's a handful of people who are transformed. But all the rest, like, he's a rock guy. He can't go over and sit down in the chair or spin the globe or admire the, the easel. <laughs> like, by becoming human, he gets to explore all his knickknacks. Mm-hmm. Interesting, I like that. Untransforms, gets more rock-like so quickly. One would almost think that he could control that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I gotta say, I really love the design of the Gnome King in all of his different iterations. He's just such a dynamically designed character that I just love looking at him even when he's becoming more human. And Julie and I were talking before we started recording this idea that you could go to like a multi-day event and on day one you can have the big craggy costume and then day two you can have the one that's a bit more human looking and then by the day three you are you know, more or less the human-y Gnome King and it would be a cool progression of costumes. I really like that idea. Yeah, he immediately loses the humanity he had been building as he's yelling at Mombi. And then uh, an effect that doesn't hold up quite as well as the reappearance of the gump. Not that there's anything bad about it. It just, I'm a grown-up now, is Mombi is trapped in a cage that magically appears around her. Yeah. <laughs> Was she making a break for it? Because the wheel you know, is th- Or wheel. Okay. Oh, yeah, she was totally yeah. trying to escape. The more I was thinking about the Gnome King's accusation that it's all Mombi's fault, I kind of am starting to agree with him because Mombi, instead of doing the responsible thing and locking a child in an actual jail cell, she locked her in a storage room, which is kind of akin to locking (laughs) MacGyver in a hardware store. It's just not going to work. She's a precocious little child. She's going to figure something out. And, you know... You can't be leaving all of your come alive dust or whatever they called it well, just lying around. So I That's just irresponsible. That of, so the powder of life was locked up and Mombi sleeps with a key on her. But Mombi doesn't sleep with a head on, which seems silly. Because yeah. wouldn't you want, like, I don't know. Would you wake up easier with the hat on? Wouldn't you want a specific head that is that is like... Your sleeping head? Uh, yeah. 
No. I don't know the attributes we saying, that that like, head might have. Oh, maybe she doesn't sleep with the head on because she doesn't want to mess up the hair. But if you just had one that was specifically for sleeping that maybe was like a super alert. Because if you're going to keep magic in the house and have the key on you, you want to know you're going to wake up if anyone tries to take that key away. Yeah. You don't want to have to rely on the one head that you keep in the cabinet next to the life because, powder yeah. to be mm-hmm. aware enough. Because at that point, sure, you've got an alarm system, but you've got an alarm yeah. system that can't do anything about it. Like, you really want to catch that person when they're taking the key and not when they've already used the key mm-hmm. to get into your secret stash. <laughs> or you need, like, voice-activated gates or something that could come down. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, we, we saw just tonight or it's still night day whatever time it is she need mommy needed to give the wheelers commands during the night it happens that she was pulling an all-nighter but otherwise if the wheel you know pons mar shows up on the front steps and says hey you know there's a problem we need help like does the body like that's a little closer to the door well can the body hear it it doesn't have ears you'd have to hope it travels past the bedroom past you know past the throne room into the bedroom into the hall, and then that one of the heads starts yelling for the body to come yeah, get them. that's ridiculous. This is a bad setup. Yeah. Yeah. Way to just be awful, Mombi. Way to be. <laughs> oh, and she's so freaked out because this earthquake starts, and she's just like, oh, you've got to be ki-. Like, she doesn't say, you've got to be kidding me, but the way she's, like, pulling <laughs> on those bars, I think that's what she's expressing. Do you think Mombi was secretly plotting against the Gnome King the whole time? And that's the reason why she let Dorothy get away with so much? Well, she wanted Dorothy for... I mean, really, what she should have done was send someone to the Gnome King and be like, Hey, I've got Dorothy Gale. What do you want me to do? Whereas she was just like, Hey, I think I'll keep this kid till her head's old enough that it won't look weird on my body. (laughs) But I'll never mention it to the Gnome King, even though she's clearly important to him. Like, that... Yeah. It's not even so much that this exact situation is all Mombi's fault, but really when you think about it, it should never have gotten to this point. Mombi just needs a head that is able to think in the long term. Like, the old saying, a good head on their shoulders. Like, she (laughs) needs a head to make these plans. Like, okay, let's kidnap Dorothy Gale and we'll keep her locked up but we'll do it in such a way that she escapes and then kills the Gnome King and then I can take over like she doesn't have strategic thinking heads she has the loot playing head and the I want to be mean to children head and then of course her original head what she needs is like a critical thinking head one that's smart and can see the strings that tie everything together I take the side that she was perfectly content to let the Gnome King do his thing over on his mountain, and she would just rule the city, except that there's no one there except the Wheelers, and we have a lot of questions about that, too. But I, I think the, the let's be mean to children head came up with a plan, but it was a completely <laughs> self-serving plan that didn't take anything else into account and didn't think, hey, maybe I should check yeah. in with my boss, essentially. She's only there because the Gnome King let her, as far as we know. And the way she's afraid of him, she, I I wonder if she was really hoping that he would just never know that any of this had happened. (laughs) 
Like, ten years from now, she's wearing a head. He goes, huh, you know, it's funny. This head looks a lot like that girl, Dorothy, who came here all those years ago. And she'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but we do know the heads have a little bit of their own personality. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Dorothy could could pull the long con and at that point is you know, just sort of says like, Hey, know know me? How can you know, could I could I see those <laughs> shoes for a second? And then oh, what if the gnome king turned into a human but his feet were the wrong size for the ruby slippers? <laughs> and he went and turned all of the cobblers <laughs> to stone. Oh, and if he's just human, he probably doesn't have all of the abilities he had as a full-blown gnome. Oh, wouldn't that just be the worst Twilight Zone situation? There was time now. <laughs> all gone. Because <laughs> I, 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 was, I was thinking, like, we're, it's weird that the Gnome King honors this deal once it starts going yeah. poorly. But he's, he has all this extra power because of the slippers. If the slippers are inherently, like good magical object like maybe they're you know he cast this wishing spell using the slippers so they're holding him to it like he can't change it that that's already what it what it is so you know maybe maybe the slippers if he became human like would fall off (laughs) and he you know and that's how they're sort of making their way you know the witch happened to be under the the house when it landed and they made their way to dorothy you know, maybe the slippers are are like the... They're kind of like a good version of the ring. Now see! They're trying to find their way to something good. I was about good. to argue with you that the slippers are not inherently good. Because they belonged to a wicked witch for years. But now I kind of like it that they hated that whole time. <laughs> All I can think of is Gollum wearing bright red ruby slippers. Oh. <laughs> get them wet they'd fall apart in two seconds oh my gosh and then bilbo takes them and gandalf sees bilbo wearing these ruby slippers and he's like bilbo you've never worn shoes in your life what the heck are those and bilbo's like what are what i don't know what you're talking about absolutely picture in my mind (laughs) (laughs) what these i like these (laughs) he gets back to hobbiton and everyone's like what the heck are you have on your feet that is not the Hobbit way. Get out. <laughs> the cloth walker. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we never got to mention how the Gnome King just looks... He looks fierce in those red <laughs> ruby slippers. It's quite the ensemble. He's rocking it. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. Slay, queen. <laughs> Ooh. But, yeah, I wonder... Are those ruby slippers just subsumed into the rock when he transforms? Because he was only able to show them off in his most human like. Yeah, it's not like he kicks them no. off and leaves them in the middle of the room. He turns back into the rock, and so one would assume that the ruby slippers are somewhere in the mountain. Hmm. Like, is the whole mountain the Gnome King? Is that is like is that whole thing his body? I thought we were done asking metaphysical questions. <laughs> yeah, we're clearly not. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'll, let's let's drop that one because that that one just seems. But a little I like weird. that that he's more powerful because the slippers are in the. Well, no, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's a lot. Never mind. <laughs> My head hurts. <laughs> 
before we miss uh, miss the opportunity, the Gnome King does get another one of his incredible phrases in uh, as he yells at at Mombi, and he's you can barely barely hear it because he's in mid mid transformation. So there's a lot of like rock crumbling noises. But he says petrified polymorphs, which I'm not even sure what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. There you go. <laughs> I forgot to give a little shout out at the beginning of this minute to the uh, score, which is back in full force now. You mentioning the rock noises reminded me, like, yeah, the sound is just kicking along in this minute, keeping things moving. Because we get the score amping up the action, then the Gumpery appears, and then we've got, we're, we're back in earthquake time. <laughs> or I guess this is our first full earthquake. We've gotten little rumbles up till now, but... I don't know. Everyone seems to be taking this much more seriously. Yeah, we have to wait another another minute, and the scarecrow goes full um, like it's, full Star Trek bridge. It's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the wheelers are just like, oh heck no, <laughs> just take off. Yeah. Oh, they were yeah, out of there they so didn't fast. even like debate, think about it, go to see what happened to her. They were just like, mm-hmm. we're gonna go back down the tunnel. <laughs> If there's one thing that stands out to me about Return to Oz is that is, it is the movie with the most useless henchmen I think I've ever seen. <laughs> the wheelers can be easily defeated by a set of stairs and a doorknob. <laughs> like, they're like a less heavily armed version of the Ed 209 from RoboCop. All you have to do is go up a short flight of stairs and then close a door behind you. And they don't have fingers. They don't have thumbs. They don't have feet. (laughs) And that's to say nothing of the gnomes that we see later on this week. I mean, I'll I'll talk about how useless they are when we get to them. Excellent. To say nothing of the cowardice expressed by the wheelers. (laughs) They're just very disappointing. Zero out of ten would not hench again. scene they gave up as soon as they were losing <laughs> yeah i guess it's and yet they're what people take away as the most terrifying thing from this movie yeah i mean the flying monkeys and oh. the guards with the spears from the 1939 movie those guys were terrifying because they actually did something <laughs> yeah oh man well everyone make sure you're house has door knobs instead of raptor door handles like mm-hmm. mine does i'm doomed uh and sleep tight everyone's gonna die in this earthquake in a cave but that's okay no i'm just kidding i don't have a good transition out uh mike save me <laughs> well in the uh in the script mommy does say if you had given me a real army instead of those ridiculous oh. wheelers so, <laughs> as they abandon her, <laughs> she still criticizes Although, them. we've seen the real army, and we have debated its efficacy well, as well. <laughs> yeah, but we can see their fates in the next awesome. minute. So, come back tomorrow, and we will get that minute. <laughs> Until then, weog. Tiog. Yeah.